Hey, hey, kids, you're listening to A Couple of Annoyed Grunt Boys, and this is the 138th Simpsons Podcast. That's right, we're the Simpsons Podcast that discusses the beloved animated sitcom The Simpsons from seasons 11 and beyond, and the newest episodes when they air. Why did we do it this way? Well, an entity known as Will of Random has cursed us to only watch those episodes, because plenty of other podcasts out there have discussed the glorious age that being seasons 1 through 10, so we're tasked to find if there's any episodes from the latter seasons that can match those Golden Age episodes. And I say we, I don't do this alone, I'm just one annoyed grandboy named Craig... And with me, as always, is the other annoyed grunt boy, Steve. Hello, Craig. What's up, Prune Tracy? <laughs> what up, Dick Trace? <laughs> good morning, Steve. And a good morning to you, Craig. What's noon in the land of Craig? Don't ask me questions that you're not willing to hear. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, hey, it's fun to be live for the whole new episode, Steve. It's, you know, we recorded all those episodes... On one day, in a cold, dark December, you know, after the last newest episode, we went up to the uh, French Alps for a weekend and uh, just sat there and recorded those episodes. So we we haven't uh, talked to each other since that uh, fateful night in in the French French Alps where uh, uh, we found your lover's dead body on the ground. And then there was a whole court case about it. Everyone spoke French, I spoke English, but I'm German, and uh, we still don't know really how your husband died. Ah, yes, it reminds me of that time that I uh, created a woman out of nothing, and then she uh, learned about being alive, and then she got her sexual liberation, went to France, became a prostitute, learned to like it, and then, uh, you know, she became a lesbian for a minute, and then she came back home. Wait, 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 wait. See, were we just talking about the Oscar movies, I think Anatomy of a Fall and Poor Things. Oh, man. That's not what this podcast is about. We don't talk about the Oscar movies, is it? Oscars is coming up soon, though, isn't it? It is. You know what my favorite Oscar movie is? Follow That Bird. A <laughs> joke for Sesame Street fans out there. Okay. I'm like, uh, huh? <laughs> Steve, I've seen like all but like two of the Oscar-nominated uh, Best Picture movies this year. I feel very proud of myself. That is very impressive, actually. Um, I have seen... Not as many as you, but I've seen more than I normally do, which is some. <laughs> yeah, Steve's actually gotten into uh, watching movies again. That's right. I've, I'm very proud of you. I've watched 14 movies this year already. Was it just uh, the Simpsons movie over and over again? Yeah, pretty much. But was it the number one movie in the box office? Maybe. But what was the number one movie in the box office? I wonder. Let's take a look. It's in a book. A Reading Rainbow. The movie that I was hoping was number one was uh, Madame Webb, but it was Steve. Sadly, no, not yet. I think, I don't know if the world's ready for that cinematic masterpiece. I think uh, we'll have to go see it together one of these days. I think so. And I think we should start an <laughs> online campaign to put J- Dakota Johnson in a movie that's good. She was in uh, Social Network. Oh, yeah. That's, that's a good true. movie. Yeah. She was in Fifty Shades Darker. Uh huh. You know, that was the sequel to Fifty Shades of Grey. Sure. The better of the movies, right? Yeah. 
And then what was the last one? Fifty Shades Free at last. Was that the third one? I think so. Yeah. She also needs like um, an emotion chip put in her, <laughs> or take the sarcasm chip out of her and put in a, an emotion <laughs> chip. Yeah, just knock it down a little bit and like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. She was in an episode of The Office. She was in the last episode of The Office as like, here's the new people that work at The Office, like a cameo. Oh, it okay. like a, it was a stunt cameo. Gotcha, gotcha. Because she's yeah. listed as Kevin's replacement. Yeah. But I heard something about uh, she said so she was very unhappy with uh, being on the set of The Office. That was like her least favorite thing she's ever done. <laughs> so what I'm wondering is oh. she must not be a fan of The Office ladies. So that must mean that Dakota Johnson is on our side. Okay. Yeah, I think you're right. I think that we need to get Dakota Johnson on this show for a very special Madam Web presentation. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking, though, like, you know, there's only two of us on this podcast, and one of us is going to die eventually. That's true. And then who's, who's, who's one of the other hosts going to host with? I figure if we bring a third person on this podcast, and it only will be Dakota Johnson, mm-hmm. that way, if one of us dies, that way the show can continue. That makes perfect uh, sense because she, you know, she has experience because on The Office she played Kevin's replacement and, you know... Right. If we had to identify with any characters from The Office, <laughs> I think Kevin's about our speed. You know what's really funny, too, is like yesterday I made chili. <laughs> Didn't drop it, but I made it. Nice. Good job. <laughs> from scratch. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but she's not our replacement. She's just going to be our new uh, co-host. She's going to be a new, an annoyed grunt gal. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, Steve, uh, call Dakota Johnson's agent, uh, see if she wants to do a... Simpsons podcast rewatch with us. Alrighty, I'll get uh, right on that. But okay. in the meantime, let's let's go all the way back to uh, February eighteenth, twenty twenty four. Yeah, that's what I'm trying to do, Stephen. I'm trying to tell you the number one movie was not Madame Web. It was Bob Marley, One Love. Oh boy, which uh, we've we've said it before on this podcast. Let's stop making biopics or biopics. Mm-hmm. This movie looks. Look, I don't know anything about Bob Marley as a person. But this movie just looks like it's not true. <laughs> yeah, it looks like it looks like a Barnes and Noble kids book about Mob Marley made into a yeah. movie. Uh, look, we have a forty-two percent tomato meter, but a ninety-three audience score on the Rotten Tomatoes. Hmm. It just looks like uh, one of those movies where it just you know a lot of exposition, which I hate. Mm-hmm. It's like that Maestro movie that which is nominated for Best Picture, which I. Not a fan of that movie because of all the accolades when, when a character says, oh, you're so good at this and this and this. You better do, th-, you know. Right, right. Yeah, I'm I'm not planning on seeing Bob Marley. Look, I went to college, but I never had a Bob Marley poster on my uh, wall. Yeah, see, I like reggae and I like ska, but I don't like Bob Marley and it's not entirely his fault. It's just all the kids that I knew in my 20s, like all the white kids who were in like, you know, the, uh, the, like the knit hoodie, like the drug rug sweaters. Yeah. And we're obsessed with the Rasta culture, even though they're white people with dreadlocks. That's why I don't like Bob Marley. And it's not his fault. And I feel bad about it, but I can't get over that. It's just such surface level of a genre of music that is so rich and so deep that I don't know. And the movie just seems so bland and generic. So yeah, I, yeah, uh, that's a skip for me. How about the music? See what's hot right now, which is, this is fun. We, I don't even know what's, what's, Big in the music scene right now. What do we have for uh, the Hot 100 uh, song? Well, Craig, the number one song on the Billboard Hot 100 is Lovin' On Me by Jack 
Harlow. Don't know it. How about the rock alternative? Why, that is I Remember Everything by Zach Bryan featuring Casey Musgraves. I've never heard that song, and I don't plan on playing it, so I'm going to skip it. What was the number one country hot song, Steve? That song was I Remember Everything by Zach Bryan featuring Casey Musgraves. I love this song. I listen to it all the time. It's a really good song. Really good. I'm not a big uh, country fan, but that country song is good. Much better than the alternative song. Yeah, whatever that was. I forgot already. I know. And I remember everything, which is weird. <laughs> um, and then, Steve, my favorite, of course, the Hot Dance Electric Hot 100. What is it? See, this one excites me the most because it's clear that the artist took an improv class because the number one song on the Dance Electric Hot 100 is Yes And by Arianda Grande. Do you think, like, when she was dating Pete, <laughs> he was teaching her improv? <laughs> yeah. All right. This is Zip Zip Zop. Or was it the other way around with, like, <laughs> Ariana's like, wait, Pete, do you know what improv is? Like, uh, what? Yeah. Whatever. Yeah, you just, uh, and she's like, okay. And then, uh, talk about your dead dad, right? <laughs> and your big dick, yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Ariana Rande. It's my favorite Starbucks size and a singer <laughs> as well. Well, Steve, I think we should just stop with the funny and get into the seriousness of this podcast. <laughs> yes, let's stop being funny. <laughs> When did we even start? <laughs> That's a, a Rudy Giuliani joke when he hosted SNL. Uh, great comedian, Rudolph Giuliani. <laughs> yeah. Your future vice president. <laughs> I don't think that'll happen. Steve, let's just talk about this week's episode. It's Frankie Science Monster, season 35, episode 11. Written by Joy H. Cohen, of course. Professor Frank secretly helps Homer land a high-level position at a state-of-the-art nuclear plant. Since Homer lacks the skill to actually perform the job, Frank comes to fear he's created a, Steve, <gasps> monster. Oh, no. Scary. Boo. Ah, frightening. All right, Steve. I think uh, the frightening thing is we need to take a break, come back, and discuss this scary episode. How about that? I'm frightened but ready. All right, folks. We'll be right back. And we're back. Today we're talking about Frankenstein's Monster. It's the 11th episode of the 35th season, originally aired February 18th, 2024. It's episode 761 in the show's run. Your nerd code is 35ABF03. Written by Joel H. Cohen. Directed by Stephen D. Moore. And the showrunner at this time is Al Jean. Alrighty, Joel H. Cohen, uh, we've talked about him a lot. He's written 38 episodes of The Simpsons. This is the 14th that we've reviewed. Um, the most recent one would be the last new episode, Do the Wrong Thing, from way back in uh, December 24th of last year, uh, which we have a review on the 11th of this year. But this episode that we're talking about today is weirdly the first new episode of 2024. It's weird that it's like halfway through February and now here we are. Yeah, and if you look at it, so you had two Cohen episodes back-to-back, essentially. Although, mm-hmm. in, the, in the production code, the first episode produced for season 35 was Do the Wrong Thing, and this is the third episode produced for this season. So we haven't reviewed the, uh, have we reviewed the second episode? That was I don't think we season? have yet. Okay. Well, fingers crossed, Steve. <laughs> Eventually we will. Indeed. I had to go back through our show Excel sheet of all the episodes that we review, and when we do the year-end best of of season 35 that we'll you know eventually do for in may 
I had to go back and look at our, our spreadsheet to see if there was a, if what we thought of the episode, do the wrong thing. Mm-hmm. And, and we liked it. So that means uh, if we like this episode, he's got two episodes back to back that uh, wow. we'll be fans of. Yeah. That's great. And then uh, if he's got another episode this season and we like that, it'll be a hat trick. Ooh, a Cohen hat trick. Yeah. But what was the last one that of his? Was the last episode we reviewed then was Do the Wrong Thing that he wrote, right? Like I'm saying, yes. We haven't done anything. With Wheel of Random recently? With oh, that. I don't believe so, no. Because we had the Sports Folder episode last week. Right. A couple others, but yeah. Also, it looks like we did do the second episode in the original order. I, Bonnie Romance was the uh, 35ABFO2. And I think we were kind of lukewarm on that episode. Yeah, that's what yeah. I meant too, yeah. Uh, well, Steve, uh, we got Brawl in the Family... Homer's paternity could Marge and Homer turn a couple play. Revenge is a dish best served three times. He loves to fly and he doze. Lisa Simpson, this is your life. Gone, be gone. Clown of the dumps, Q detective. Teenage mutant, milk fed hurdles. The ways we were. Pretty little liar. Well, I think Cohen's up there of uh, being a fun writer, right? With all those episodes that we reviewed, we think we like them. Yeah, I think uh, more often than not, he's good. I think he doesn't have like any of those like stains of episodes that some Simpsons fans, you know, we talked about Schwarzweller last week and a lot of like the, like Simpsons Safari or the Florida episode, a lot of people don't like, and that's kind of like the, uh, the stain of Schwarzweller. Mm-hmm. But I think, uh, yeah, this is yeah. pretty solid. Yeah. And of course he, uh, is most famous for, uh, working on Suddenly Susan, right? Uh, yes. <laughs> And for being Robert Cohen's brother, because Robert Cohen wrote Flaming Moe's. Right. <laughs> we always bring that up. We remember <laughs> that episode. That's such a fun episode. It's fun to come back to new new season in the year 2024. And it's like yeah. towards the end of end of the month of Feb, are you wary? But uh, we do have a title gag, Steve. And it's Ned ascends to heaven as an angel, while Homer, as a devil, falls to heck. I'm not saying that, that dirty word, Steve. Hell. No. Were you allowed to say hell as a, as a child? No, I couldn't. I wasn't allowed to swear. I remember when I was like 12 or 13, though, I would like test the waters and be like, what the hell is this? <laughs> or like, I don't want any damn potatoes. <laughs> but I'd say it quietly. Like, I wouldn't say it like that. I'd be like, I don't want any damn potatoes. Um, Wait, you have never said damn potatoes. No, that's true. <laughs> I would it's always the, say damn potatoes. Isn't that the, uh, the meme with uh, Rod or Todd? It's like, I don't want any damn vegetables. That's true. Yeah. Okay. You should have. All right, edit, edit that out so Steve can sound better. Steve, sound better than your Simpsons fan. Go. I don't want any damn vegetables. All right, now in an Australian accent. Good day, mate. I don't want any damn vegetables. Yeah, we're just trying to get all the uh, possible clips that we can edit in. Um, I, German? I don't want... Oh, I don't want any damn vegetables. And Joey Ramon? Yes, I don't want any damn vegetables. Uh, Johnny Cash near the end of his life. Sylvester Stallone near the end of his life. I'm dead. I don't want any damn vegetables. And uh, Ray Romano in his prime. Hey, I don't want any damn vegetables. Brad Garrett in his prime. (laughs) In his primes. (laughs) Hey, no, that's that's no. And and now and now Jerry Seinfeld, if. it was done by Porky Pig. Who what? Who what? Who Who are these vegetables? <laughs> all right. Okay, we're done. We'll probably edit all this out anyways. Steve, I hope so. <laughs> do we have a couch gag? We sure do. 
Uh, so the Simpsons hang like leaves and trees until they wither away and fall to the ground or the carpet. Groundskeeper Willie arrives with a leaf blower and blows them probably to another part of the house because leaf blowers are ineffective, inconsiderate, and loud. I don't like leaf blowers. Well, there's a ban in Portland, or is it, is it on the docket for banning gas-powered leaf blowers in city lights? Yeah, I do believe so, because, yeah, they don't do anything. And I don't know why people who have them feel compelled to do it at, like, 3.45 in the morning. Like, it's just no point. Oh, uh, well, I guess I'm going to cross off leaf blowers, my gift to you at the end of this episode. <laughs> Unless you're a total dick, then I might give it to you. Fair enough. Only gas-powered one, though. Right, right. Well, Steve, our episode begins, as it always does, with a declaration. This episode is based on true events. Every other episode is nothing but lies. And then when I was watching this, I've been re-watching all the Fargo, so I'm like, this is how Fargo <laughs> starts out, too. Like, these are based on a true story. Um, but yeah, so we jump back to 15 years ago, all the way back to 2009. We weren't doing the podcast then, Steve. No. Feels like it, but no. Right. Uh, where Homer sleeps in his humble apartment on his nightstand, there are several inspirational books such as Bend It Like Buffett, Taking an Escalator Up the Pyramid of Success, and The Art of Work. So the uh, seven o'clock alarm goes off and Homer shouts TGI Monday. He's excited to build his future with the power of his work. With his Jim Halpert style haircut, Homer arrives at the Springfield Nuclear Power Plant bright and early. Lenny and Carl inform him of fresh donuts in the break room, but he has no time for donuts. Just work, work, work. Carl comments that Homer is the best kind of holic, worka. Remember when, like, you were younger and jobs you, like, just started or kind of cared about? You're like, I'm going to do my best. <laughs> yeah. Climb up the corporate ladder. And then after your first paycheck, you're like, this is how much I'm getting? Ah, fuck this. <laughs> What's the point? <laughs> yeah. Damn, government's taking all my money anyways. Who is this FICA person? <laughs> That's why I just cash all my checks and then convert it to gold and then bury it in the back of my yard. I shouldn't have said that. No, it's fine. Uh, <laughs> don't give me a leaf blower. Give me a shovel. <laughs> well, Homer examines the power plant's organizational chart and sees that he's third in line below C. Montgomery Burns and Wayland Smithers. Below him, we have Carl, Lenny, Zutroy, Charlie, and Anna. Underneath them are other employees and one of Burns' hounds, which is he is so keen to release. Now, Homer is sure that he'll be on top in no time. Now, Homer goes to his workstation, complete with the embroidered sampler of the cooling tower that says, uh, work, sweet work. <laughs> now, Homer examines the book, How to Succeed in Business by Tried, and gets ready to climb that corporate ladder. It's fun when they have these like this organizational chart and... I mean, when we see it in the present day, it's a lot funnier, of course. But we'll we'll talk about it when we get back get to it. But I like how Homer Homer's third in line there. Yeah, it's impressive. Like, do you think Burns obviously knew who Homer was at this time? But then mm -hmm. after Homer slacks off, and he just forgets everything about Homer, loses his hair too. Yeah, barely recognizes him. Then I love the mustache on Carl. It's funny because like they go back in time, and you know you're going back to twenty. 2009 and you think like what are the fashion trends are there what like would men look like and that i guess the mustache would work but it also worked for like 1993 or like 1975 yeah. so it all works uh so we jump to the modern day and homer is asleep at sector 7g with the latest issue of gravy of the month magazine uh which happens to feature 
a whole feature on brown gravy. Mm. So he wakes up and announces that it's quitting time, but Carl reminds him that uh, there's still 40 minutes left in the workday. Homer moves the hands of the clock to read five on the dot. Carl asks Homer who he thinks he's fooling, and Homer responds that sometimes the most important person to fool is yourself. He then moves the clock to 510 and congratulates himself on the overtime. So now we're going to the uh, other, the new organizational chart yet again. He finds that he's no longer third from the top, but he's behind uh, James Woods, a vending machine, several other employees and hounds, and even a cone that Homer hired himself. <laughs> I just like looking at this because Carl's still like fourth in line, essentially. But <laughs> Lenny is down with Homer. <laughs> right. Zootroy's still there. And it's like there's a candy machine. Now, I think Mises' fans, like myself, the cone is funny, but come on. Or the candy machine is funny. Come on. Why isn't there an inanimate carbon rod? Exactly. There's You're missing the rod. There could be a duck. Oh, yeah, um, duck. I like that the alcoholic woman is there from like when Marge worked there. Um, there's like a c- couple other faces I recognize, but yeah, they definitely missed some opportunities. With a guy with a big hand, is he there? I don't think so. I forget what, she, what he looks like. Might be that bald man. I can't yeah. remember. And that bald man was on the lower thing too. He never advanced. Yeah. It's just funny that Lenny <laughs> drags down. Homer dragged Lenny down, I think. But Carl's yeah, still. Yeah, I think so. Still, still good. Anyways, let's play our first clip, Steve. Uh, Homer goes to Moe's to drown his sorrows. What happened, Moe? When did I go from an up-and-comer to a guy who drinks other people's beer? Hey, what happened to my beer? A leprechaun. Again? (sighs) I used to have ambition, Moe. What took it away? Oh, it's a real mystery. Here, let me pour you another pitcher. (laughs) You're a good man, Moe Stislak. Just doing God's work. (laughs) You know, you start with huge dreams, but after 20 years at that plant, all I've got is a big ball of rubber bands. For 20 years, that ball ain't so big. You start out, you think you're going to have a big ball of rubber bands, and you realize you even failed at that. Oh, that's terribly sad. Mm. Scooching over, scooching, scooching. Mm. Too far. I share your disappointment, you see, because by this point, I thought I'd have won a prestigious research grant. I've never even won in words with friends. I have the words, but not the friends, you see. Mm. Wow, I never knew smart people could be unhappy. Is that why we're always happy? We're not smart? <laughs> That's what I assume, like... <laughs> we're never happy. <laughs> yeah, no, like, it's it's annoying because I think we're that kind of weird millhouse of a person where we're dorks, but we're not smart dorks. Because there are some people who, like, are so unaware of the world around them that they're happy because they don't know any better. And then there are smart people who are worried because they're, they have the knowledge of how awful existence is. And then in the middle is you and I, who are just two idiots who just are never happy. That's why I've always said that, like, Homer Simpson is the best character because he just has this dumbness about him. But he's also, yes, there's a lot of bad things that happen to him, but he's also able to get past those obstacles in many occasions, like, not care about, like, the little things. Like, being Lisa Simpson would suck. She's so self-aware. Right. So Mo never cleans those pictures, huh? But he had the time to make a sign to say that he didn't wash them. <laughs> uh, are you a fan of, like, getting a pitcher of beer? Like, going out to a bar and like, ah, oh, let's get a pitcher of beer. Or do you 
Do you feel like the idea of the pitcher of the beer has kind of like gone away because there's so many like craft beers now? Yeah. To a restaurant like usually because I just remember like my dad back in the day, like, you know, meeting buddies or whatever, like um, sporting events, like with other families, like always was like pitchers of beer on the table. But at that time, it's like Coors Light or Budweiser. It was like the only options at like the pizzeria. And now even ours too, like you can order it. If you can order a picture, like, have you gone to, like, a brewery and, like, can I get a picture of uh, this IPA? They're like, what? No, we don't do pictures, you idiot. Yeah, I feel like, first of all, a picture of, like, IPA would be, like, $28 <laughs> or something. Yeah, probably. But, yeah, it is kind of sad because I'm not, like, opposed to that idea, but, like, so many breweries, especially in the region where we live, have so many craft beers that I like the variety of it. Like, yeah. my go-to thing would be to get a flight of five two-ounce pours just so I can try a whole slew of beers. I do like the idea of going to a pizza place mm-hmm. or if I was going bowling or something. Yeah, bowling, there you go. Getting a pitcher of PBR, some like kind of yes. crappy beer, and that's fun. Like, that's great. And, you know, you each have like two pints or whatever, and it's like, yeah, let's hang out. I think the uh, the theater that you and I go to when we go have a date is the theater mm-hmm. by you, the St. John's, and they give pitchers of beer out. So it's the best way to do it, like, if you're going to a movie, to get a pitcher of beer because then you don't have to get up. Right, you know, right. Every three minutes to get a new beer, like I do. That's and yeah, and you know, like with the pitcher, you don't have to. Once you finish it, you have a a toilet right there because exactly. I mean, that theater smells like piss, anyways. (laughs) What's a little more? Who cares? I didn't say the name of the theater, right? I don't want. No, no. okay, good, good. (laughs) Uh, The employees probably do listen to our podcast, though. (laughs) Oh yeah, I'm sure. Every time I go in there to watch a movie, they're like, "Hey, annoyed grunt boy Craig." I'm like, "That's not me." Just a pitcher of beer sounds good right now. I just want to... <laughs> We're so dry on this show now. We're professionals again, Steve. I know. It's weird. Yeah. I don't like it. I'll have to rectify that. Uh, so, Professor Frank sheds a tear, which proves a long-held hypothesis that he does, in fact, have empathy and is a human. Just then, Homer receives a phone call inviting him to apply for a job at the new nuclear power plant in Shelbyville. Homer's confused, thinking that they might want a candidate who is, you know, younger or more Lenny. But the interviewer wants Homer and his impressive resume, even if some of those jobs are court-ordered. And, you know, those jobs include... Being an astronaut from Deep Space Homer. Being a World Cup referee from You Don't Have to Live Like a Referee, which we reviewed about two or three weeks ago. Working as Mr. Plow from Mr. Plow. Being a toothpaste cap screwer. This is a long list, Steve. Do you think we should speed it up a bit? Probably. All right. <clears throat> Owner of the Denver Broncos, you only moved twice. Captain of Spring Shield. Papa's got a brand new badge. Working as head crossing guard from Homer's Crossing. Working as sanitation commissioner from Trash of the Titans. Working as a newspaper food critic from Guess Who's Coming to Criticize Dinner. Working as a volunteer fireman from Crook and Ladder. Took cannonballs to the stomach from Homer Palooza. Hosting a cable access show from Politically Inept with Homer Simpson. Homer is a member of the B Sharps Homer's Barbershop Quartet. Working as voice actor for Machine Scratching and Pushy the movie and Angry Dad the movie. Working as a carney in Bart Carney. Working as a manure salesman from Springfield Up. Being a town crier from Lisa the Iconic Class. Working as a mall Santa from the first episode. Working as a used car owner from Diatribe of a Mad Housewife. Being a crusty impersonator from <laughs> Homie the Clown. Working as a stand-up comedian improvised. Working as a Springfield Women's Prison Guard from Orange is the New Yellow. Being a roadie in How I Spent My Storm of Vacation. Working as a grease collector from Lord of the Dance. Being a prank Mikey from Hover vs. Dignity. Being a fish gutter from my dad's favorite episode, 30 Minutes Over Tokyo. And being a one-man band and Bart gets famous. Yeah. 
Now let's go back to that list again, Steve, and uh, okay. rank him from your favorite job to his <laughs> favorite job. Okay, no. Uh, the woman sends Homer a link to the interview, which happens to be on Zoom. Shout out to Zoom. Hey, we don't actually use them anymore, so uh, yeah. unshout out to Zoom. Mm-hmm. Uh, giving him a use for that ring light that he's been looking around. <laughs> Homer wonders if this is the uh, moment his life will finally change for the better. Then imagines he and Marge dressed to the nines. Stepping out of a private car onto a private yacht. <laughs> out of that car, get there. Where a server parachutes from the sky to pour them some wine. Marge says this would never have happened if he hadn't been sitting at the bar away from his family. <laughs> uh, you know, because that's how that happened. Uh, so just then, Bard hops on the yacht, riding a jet ski, crushing the table. He's got a little S on his shirt, and he tells Homer that he is his self-doubt, and he's here to tell him that he's going to screw up the interview. Lisa, acting as Homer's ambition, parachutes onto the boat and tells Homer that he's going to blow it. So Bart and Lisa argue whether Homer will screw or blow, and Maggie flies in on a water-powered jetpack to say, in a deep, demonic voice, that no one loves him. Homer assumes that his imagination is right once again and that he'll never get the job, but Frink offers to help. Sir, I will help you with the power of science. What does science have to do with nuclear science? And why you? Well, as success stories go, I may not be an eggnaut, but I can certainly help you. Eggnaut? What's that? That's Emmy, Grammy, Nobel, Oscar, Time Magazine subscriber. Although I do have the easy one, of course. I have an Emmy. Me too! I use mine as corn holders. What do you do with your Emmy, Steve? Oh, I just keep it on the toilet. It's a toilet paper holder. Is this the Simpsons writers like, oh, we have so many Emmys, let's just rub it in. I think so, and they'll probably win one in a couple weeks, and uh, yeah. No, they did win. Well, the Emmys yeah. already, yeah, the Emmys already happened. But that's how often they win them. They just get them in the mail. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. it's March, why not get another one? They'll get an Oscar, too, for something. Yeah, yeah. And a Grammy, but nobody will care because the Grammys are not an award. I feel a little uh, Cyrano de Bergerac uh, plot a coming, Steve. What do you think? Oh, yeah. Look at you with the literary reference. I'm sorry. The Steve Martin, Daryl Hannah movie, Roxanne. Oh, okay. Now I get it. <laughs> yeah. Well, Steve, uh, back at home, Marge mends old vacuum bags as Homer <laughs> dreams of riches of his new job will bring. How, how many vacuum bags does one need? And Wait, wait. Is this a, the fun joke of, you know, Marge vacuum? The vacuum is her, you know, item, right? She loves vacuums. So yeah. yeah, so she has so many. Because, you know, she's going around town fighting off the criminals she has to use her vacuum <laughs> so she's just fixing all the vacuums from the people that she hit right right this all makes sense it makes sense to me yeah <laughs> anyways mars says they're they're doing fine but homer vows to get her new vacuum bags and maybe someday a new vacuum Ooh. you know like maybe a shark one the shark vacuums that have just like the no bag the bagless ones yeah that's what i have that's what we have too yeah it's so much easier it's way easier I remember, I, like my old, like the older vacuums where I had to like go to the store and buy like the new dis- like disposable bags. Mm-hmm. Oh, what, what, what horrible time period we lived in. <sighs> Nothing worse. Back when I had, yeah, I had to use vacuum bags. I had to wipe my ass with toilet paper because I didn't have a bidet at those times. We we're like cavemen. Yeah, uh, two thousand nine times. What a horrible history that was. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, uh, just then Maggie flips. A switch on the old electro suck vacuum, <laughs> causing dust and debris to fly everywhere. And the latch pops open, and a dusty snowball too pops out. That's also one of the worst things ever. Well, oh, like, yeah, yeah, 
happened has happened before it well like shop facts it's happened to me where like i've sucked it in and then i didn't realize i had it on blow and i turned it on and then it just everywhere it seems like such a cartoon thing but it's happened to me too it's so (laughs) annoying and it gets all of your face and then you put up a sign says why me (laughs) (laughs) and then you fall off a cliff yeah and then a house falls around you but not on you (laughs) yeah and the train comes straight to the screen it's frightening and then there's a road rider that just runs up to you and goes, beep, beep, and then runs off. Curse you, that Acme Corporation. Uh, so Homer prepares for his internet interview by putting on a suit coat, though still just wearing socks and underpants down below. Uh, Lisa steps into the kitchen wearing a uh, Saxon Hugs and Veggie Rolls sweatshirt, asking what Homer's up to. So as Homer takes a pen to the M hair on the side of his head, uh, which is a nice touch. Uh, he tells his daughter that uh, about the interview and states that Professor Frank is there just for moral support. When Lisa asks why her moral support isn't sufficient, Homer says that her support always comes with conditions like he shouldn't drink so much and that he needs to stay alive so that he can see her graduate. Homer tells Lisa that t- she should give up on those dreams and then logs into Zoom for his interview with Oni Korhonen, the CFO of the new plant. For 18 months, I led a team at the Large Hadron Collider in Geneva. Homer, you're early. I'm still interviewing another candidate, Dr. Spivak. I I don't mind. I look even better in comparison to other people. Uh, Doctor, let me interview Homer, and uh, I'll get back to you soon. Very soon. Maybe five seconds, that kind of soon. Homer, let's start with what you know about the NRC. NRC, NRC. (gasps) Those are the gun nuts, right? Oh, dear, as a fellow human, I want to help him, but that's unethical. But I am the kind of nerd that always must blurt out the answer. Nuclear Regulatory Commission, yes. The Nuclear Regulatory Commission, yes. They're important because... They're the government agency for nuclear plants and materials created by executive order in 1975. Glue Hyvik. They're the government agency for nuclear plants and materials created by executive order in 1975. Gluhivik. You know, I knew Homer was going to do the uh, Gluhivik, and I was prepared to be annoyed by it, but I think it fit really well. I thought it was pretty good. He didn't do the Jerry Lewis impersonation, mm-hmm. which that's, I think, what I was a little worried about. He just did it in Homer voice like Gluhivik. Yeah. But it was funny. It was reasonable. I liked it. Yeah. That Dr. Spivak, that's uh, Mean Girls, Veronica Mars, and Mamma Mia, Here We Go Again star Amanda Seyfried playing that role. I mean, she was in the first Mamma Mia, too. You don't have to, to say that. I know, but I just, sequel. I just like that title a lot. Here We Go Again. She was also in Ted 2. Ah, uh, yes. Actually, might go check out the Ted movies now yeah. that I've watched the show. I will just stick watching other Amanda Seyfried projects. I'm an Amanda Seyfried fan, Steve. Yeah, I've got no issue with her. You better not. I don't know what that means. Is that a threat or a promise? <laughs> yeah, it's a threat. All right? Amanda and I, we go back. We're friends. Yes, hang out often? Well, not since the court order. Fair enough. I was going to ask you this. Is Amanda Seyfried a character actor or a leading lady? Ooh. Hmm. That sounds like I'm diminishing her talent. No, no. And I think that, you know, character actors are very important. I'm kind of like, I'm looking at her IMDb now. And, you know, she was in As the World Turns and All of My Children at first, so some soap operas. That's more of a character actor thing. Did an episode of uh, Law and Order SVU. Again, character actor. CSI. I never watched Veronica Mars, so you can answer better than I about her role in that. 
Well, she was spoilers. She was the girl that was killed in the first season. They were trying to figure out oh. who killed her. Okay. Yeah. She was the uh, Laura Palmer of Veronica Mars. Gotcha. She was in 44 episodes of the show Big Love, which was like the bigamy show. So that's probably something. So, Well, she did the, the Dropout miniseries on uh, Hulu recently. So she was the lead in that. Oh, yeah. Playing Elizabeth Holmes. So I think that she may have started as a character actor. And I think that she's becoming more of a more of like an on-screen presence and more of like a star. Like, why isn't she in a Marvel movie? She, oh, yeah. Like, she could play um, the Hulk. Sure, she could be Spider-Man. I'm glad she isn't in some of those Marvel movies. <laughs> like, I'm glad she wasn't in Madam Web, you know? Like, yeah. Oh, man, you're in Madam <laughs> Web. I feel bad for you. I still want to see Madam Web, but I want to go with you. But I also wanted to drink a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the only condition that I have. I want to see the worst movie ever, supposedly. Says the internet. Right. I know why they do it because you know they want to keep the Spider-Man contract and with Sony. Yeah, why they make these crappy movies? Right. But like, Madam Web is such a nothing character to you. I mean, to make a movie out of her is weird. But also, she's not. She's an old blind woman who has a spider wheelchair who just sees the picture. Who are you going to cast, Steve? I mean. Dakota Johnson's hot. I, That's what yeah. gets your ass. You had uh, also, what's her name who's hot? Sydney Sweeney. And the other hot ladies are in the show. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. You're not going to have uh, Maggie Smith, who would probably be age appropriate to play <laughs> Madame Web. No one's going to see that. I would watch that. Judy Dench <laughs> is Madame Web. Madame Web. Yeah, actually, I would see that. Yeah, yeah. of course I would. I do want to see Adam <laughs> Scott, though. So, as. Like in the movie or just in, in, in life? I mean, in life, but he's playing uh, Ben Parker, and I want to see what that's all about. Spoilers. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I hear he, like, uh, they even butcher the famous uh, with great responsibility, oh, comes no. great power, whatever. Yeah. I, I heard that that's butchered in the movie. Man. But we'll just have to go see it, Steve. I think so. <laughs> uh, but Amanda Seyfried, uh, big fan, big fan. Welcome to the show. We tried getting her, but, uh, well, no, we didn't try because we suck. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Look, Steve. Oni Kohorhan is impressed with Homer, saying that, like an iceberg, there's more to him that meets the eye. Or like a Transformer, right? Yeah. Homer says that, like an iceberg, you probably won't see him in the summer. Uh, Oni enjoys the gentle humor, and the interview goes on with Homer answering with complete thoughtful answers fed to him by Professor Fink, a la Roxanne. Mm-hmm. Even complete with the, uh, you know, the uh, verbal flourishes, the uh, Jerry Lewis-isms. Glavin. Yeah. Oni comments that this interview is like his feet before glycerin cream. Started rough, but ended quite smooth. He tells Homer that he has a job and says words in a language that I can't speak, uh, which we know uh, Finnish. I think it was Finnish, right, Steve? Yeah. Which is Finnish for goodbye, see you soon, and Homer nervously responds with a, a ditto. <laughs> Dr. Svavik sees all this on her laptop screen, and then she sees that her uh, the meeting has ended. And then it says that her interview has failed and that her career has stalled. So she takes a red marker to the screen, crossing out Homer's face and writing dead below it. That is until her partner or her roommate, or maybe both, uh, reminds her that it's actually her computer. So Dr. Spivak throws the laptop at her, uh, crashing it into a wall. Meanwhile, back over at 742 Evergreen Terrace, the mood is quite happier. Though Homer thinks that he may still need assistance from Professor Frink. We do 
did it! Uh -oh. Your brains and my listening was the perfect combination. High four! And over I go! I can't believe I got the job! Well, that's wonderful. And of course, you will not be needing my help any longer, so I wish you the best. Wait, 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 wait! Look, sir, the deal was I would help you get the job. That's it! I didn't even ask for anything. My, my quid was woefully unproquoed. You can't walk out of me now. You know the saying. If you get a man a job, you feed him for a day. If you do a man's job, you feed him for a lifetime. Now you want me to do your job for you? Yeah, you're a fat yellow banana slug, sir. Oh, please. <sighs> fine, fine. I'll do your job. I'll do all of it. No, 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 no. Not all my job. Like my March Madness bracket? I'll handle that. You can't be trusted with picking Baylor over Gonzaga. All right, I'll do that too. Calling him a slug, <laughs> the banana slug, and then just seeing him <laughs> eat the leaf like a banana slug devours. It was a very fun visual gag. Yeah, really good. And I, I you know, you got to respect Frank because, you know, he's just kind of doing this out of the kindness of his heart. Like, he doesn't get anything out of this aside from, you know, feeling human. So it's, it's very sweet of him. Oliver's like, no, I'm, I'm still going to do my March Madness stuff, but him. Frankly, like, no, no, even I have to do that. Yeah, yeah, you're going to And that then up brings, up, brings up Gonzaga. And, like, I just remember hearing about Gonzaga as this, like, great school for basketball. Mm -hmm. And seeing so many, like, fans of Gonzaga in this Pacific Northwest area. And this was, like, 20 years ago. There's still, like, a, a, a great team, right? Mm -hmm. Great school for basketball. It was, like, 2015, like, probably like, 15 years ago. I'm like, why is there so many Gonzaga fans? Where the fuck is Gonzaga? I don't even know this place exists. I don't even, I've never even heard of it until like March Madness, right? Mm -hmm. And I know like Jimmy Kimmel had a bit that he does every year. He's like, he has this thing. He's like, where is Gonzaga? It doesn't exist. And I thought it was really funny. And then it was like, so he's like, supposedly it's in Washington state. I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> Gonzaga's been in this state, Washington state, like <laughs> this whole time. Yeah. Did you not know Gonzaga's in Washington state? As the kids say, I was today years old. <laughs> So it is like you can like root for it. It's a Pacific Northwest. Well, oh. technically, it's like an East Washington. I think it's like a Christian college, one of those colleges. Hmm. One of those colleges. <laughs> Christian. Christian. It's weird to name something like a college after boobs and be a Christian college. <laughs> is that what, yeah, nice Gonzaga's. <laughs> I feel like the East of Washington, like Eastern Washington and Eastern Oregon aren't really like us you know yeah politically it's a lot different over there mm -hmm. and they really let you know it too oh yeah eastern oregon wants to secede to idaho mm -hmm. it's the dumbest thing ever guys if you really want to read something dumb learn about that <laughs> yeah it's weird like if you're like 45 minutes outside of portland or seattle in mostly any direction i mean at the the coast is normally fine but like the further east you go, it gets real weird and real racist real fast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, Steve, we'll go to the Springfield nuclear power plant. Uh, Waylon Smithers looks at his files and sees that this is the 691st time that Homer has left the plant. Now, I was wondering, like, was that... Obviously, this is, what, the 761st episode? Mm -hmm. Which I thought maybe kind of been funny if he said, like, this is the 761st time that you've left the plant but i'm wondering if like this number then is actually correct if out of the 761 episodes of the simpsons that 691 <laughs> times he's quit like 
I think it's possible, right? It seems very possible, yeah, because... I mean, it is kind of weird because that, like, leaves, like, 70-some-odd episodes that he didn't. <laughs> but also, that's that sounds about right. Like, you just assume, like, anytime he's not at the plant that he doesn't work there anymore, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I wonder. I just wonder if that's, like, a very nerdy fact. So you just put it on the wiki and say it's true, or the IMDb. Sure. And the internet will think it's true. <laughs> and some other Simpsons podcasters will read that and think they're smart. But it's uh, us that the annoyed grab boys tricked them. That's right. Take that, talking Simpsons. <laughs> Anyways, Homer feels good about at this time, right, leaving the job, thinking that this may be his last time. And I'm pretty sure his viewers were like, yeah, this is it. Mm-hmm. Uh, either way, since they have uh, a form for everything else, Smithers has created the H. Simpson New Job Sabbatical Form. <laughs> uh, the first question is, how long this time, which the multiple choice answers being forever or temporary? As always, Homer answers forever. Smithers then marks off that Homer is burning some bridges rather than all of them. Very nice. Also, like the fact that they're just like, we don't care. We'll hire him back because there's no one else on Springfield that will take his job, apparently. Yeah. So basically, he has this job that he can leave whenever he wants to basically just come on back. Yeah. See, Homer is the best character to be because he always has a job. No matter what, he does and fucks up. Yeah. That's great job security in this economy. So yeah. Good job, Homer. What if there's like this reason why homer stays that only burns knows even or even no only smithers knows even burns doesn't know is that like he needs homer to be lazy because like uh every time homer's like taking a nap he like just takes a vial of homer's blood because it's like a super blood for burns to keep burns alive for some reason like his dna is what keeps burns alive that's a good point i like that yeah i know this is not scientifically Based. No, wait. Obviously. Actually, it's not Homer's blood. It's Bart's blood. Because we know this because Burns needed a blood transfusion way back in the day and it had to be Bart's blood. So I think that Smithers and Homer have a secret deal. So at nighttime, every now and then, Homer has to steal some of Bart's blood and give it to Burns or give it to Smithers who gives it to Burns to keep him alive. And that's why. Homer's okay with Bart being such a rapscallion because he'll probably get hurt and there'll be a little blood so Homer can just scoop it up. So, like, if Bart wants to jump the Springfield Gorge, he's like, oh, no, please don't do it. But then he does it and then Bart falls or doesn't. But, like, eventually he's going to cut himself and hurt himself. Otherwise, then yes, Homer will just sneak in the middle of the night and steal some of his blood. But here's my more nefarious thing is because of Bart's proclivity of being a bad little boy, Homer always strangles him. And Homer strangles him so hard, his fingernails cut Bart's neck and blood comes out. <laughs> and then when Homer's sleeping at work, uh, Flanders, or Flanders, <laughs> Smithers just takes the blood from his fingers and then like recreates more blood for uh, Mr. Burns. I think that's exactly right. Yeah. So Smithers is like encourages Homer to make sure that he's strangling the boy. This makes perfect sense to me. I mean, yours is more sound and not creepy like mine, but... But yours is so horrifying, it must be true. We need to, like, be part of the WGA so we can be saying these things, and then when it does happen on the... So the Simpsons writers can use this since we'll all be part of the WGA. Yeah. Because they they can't listen to our podcast now and take these ideas because then we could sue them, which sucks. That's true. And we don't want to do that, so... No. I mean, unless it was, like, Matt Selman, then we sue the shit out of him. Yeah, what the fuck, Matt? Come on. (laughs) <laughs> so Homer fills out the rest of the form, sending Homer's money to his bartender rather than his wife his kids, wife or kids, and then 
to destroy Homer's workstation rather than deep clean it, and any food found in the fridge can go to the hounds instead of the needy. So the last question that uh, Waylon asks is where Homer would like everyone at his job to currently to shove it, and Homer allows him to pick all four options, which are he can stick it where the sun don't shine, in your ear, up your nose, and a hippo's hiney. All, all that's left is for Homer to storm out dramatically, which he does so successfully. Well, let's go to Frank's lab. Professor says that he's engineered the Irano de Frink attack, which is like the Cyrano de Frink, uh, which he names himself. You know, it's a pair of glasses with a transmitter that fits into Homer's right ear so he can repeat Frink's words like a parrot or a macaw or even his pet Budgie, who is like a Ralph Wiggum type voice starts, <laughs> states that he's like living in a cage and has more fun than Frink goes. What an interesting choice. Like just do Ralph's voice. Yeah. The professor remembers two birds being in the cage, and Bulgy burps up some feathers and says, I'm a cannibal, like how Ralph would. <laughs> you know, I think that we kind of talked about a few weeks ago about how maybe they kind of, not jumped a shark, but maybe overused Ralph as saying silly lines. And mm. I think that the Simpsons writers heard that and like, okay, well, the idea of Ralph saying things is still funny. So we just need to reassess how we use it. And so like, well, what if we put him to a bird and he was a bit more mean spirited? So I think that's what they did. I think they took our advice. So we can sue them. Exactly. Let us join the WGA with a big signing bonus <laughs> and our lawyers don't have to get involved. Either way, give us money. I don't want to sue uh, writer Tim Long because I know the court process will be very <laughs> long. Exactly. Check that one. Uh, the joke that we have to do for every episode. <laughs> yeah. The ones that he don't write. So Homer drives to Shelbyville, the home of the new Cavette Canada nuclear plant. For our uh, non-Finnish speaking listeners, which is three, Cavette <laughs> Canada translates to spring field. <laughs> Oni shows Homer the modern plant that has adopted the Finnish design and work ethic. He believes that the best employee is a rested employee, but understands that it takes months for a new worker to feel comfortable to sleep at work. He then just finds Homer in a slumber, exhibiting that American can sleep spirit. Have you ever uh, slept at work? Yes. <laughs> Not at my current job, but I used to have an office-y type job with a door that shut. And there would be some times when, like, I might get, like, 20 minutes shut-eye. Nice. Yeah. You? Have you shut Um, I think back in the days when I worked at the pizza place as a mm. manager, there was definitely times where I slept. Yeah, I do remember those long Fridays when you and I would both open and close Right. And we'd have that two-hour period in between. <laughs> and I think I probably, like, fell asleep at the desk at that point, too. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Um, I don't think I did at other jobs. Well, except for when I was I was a Secret Service agent uh, for President Kennedy in Dallas, <laughs> 1963. Oh, yeah. I forgot fun. to... I, yeah, I fell asleep on my job and forgot to protect him. I'm sure nothing came Oh, I, it, yeah. Well, I had just been rehired because I was fired from... Another Secret Service job for a, a former president, uh, Lincoln, where I slept in and forgot to escort him to uh, Ford's Theater one fateful night. Ah, yes. You're Craig, the sleepy, tired-traveling <laughs> Secret Service Secret. agent. Hey, I was awake for the uh, Ronald Reagan assassination, so there you go. You're welcome, America. I saved his life. You, you saved the right one. <laughs> anyway, Steve, uh, we're going to go to a clip here. Um Oni shows uh, Homer the employee canteen. It's a modern cafeteria full of food. Oh, jeez, I can't afford this. No, it's all free. Free? 
Who are you people? Well, in Finland, we're not only experts in nuclear power, but for six years in a row, we've been the happiest people in the world. Makes sense. You live so close to Santa Claus. Actually, our happiness is a combination of Yante, low expectations, Sisu, determination, Sisu, and Kalsarikanit, which is drinking at home in your underwear. Mm. Oh my god, I was Kalsarikanit before it was cool. Holidays, Sundays, football Mondays, phone it in Fridays. Magnificent. We also offer free daycare, bottomless hot chocolate, and a roving squad of surprise masseuses. Oh, 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 is there anything Vikings can't do? Win the Super Bowl. The end joke of win the anything a Vikings can do, win the Super Bowl. It's such a Smothers Brothers type of humor joke, you know? Like, Yeah, you're just waiting for them to go, do-do-do-do-do-do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, sorry to a uh, fan of the show, Timothy, who's a Minnesotan, right? Yeah, yeah, I don't know how much he loves football, but, but yeah, a, it is sad. He's yeah. a Vikings fan. They have gone to the Super Bowl three times, but it's true they have never won. And we've never gone to the Super Bowl, so we're as good as the Vikings. Next year, it's going to be the Kansas City Chiefs versus the Annoyed Grunt Boys. Uh-oh. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> With the Miami Dolphins playing the halftime show. <laughs> <laughs> Still better than Usher. They should do the losing team from the previous year has to perform a, a show. <laughs> the halftime show would be up to fun. Do. A song and dance number. Yeah, you know, if like the Bears did it, they'd just like re bring out the Super Bowl shuffle and right. have fun. I like this idea. Yeah. Remember what Super Bowl show halftime shows were just like so fucking weird? Like it'd be like, like it wasn't like A list singers, really. Yeah. It was like up with people. Yeah, exactly. They, they were always doing up with, yeah, up with people was always doing the Super Bowl halftime show. And it was just. It was so lame to the point where, like, you didn't watch it because, like, you would go outside. Like, our family would go outside and, and like, play, a, a, like, a little touch football during halftime show, like, as kids. Oh, that's a very wholesome yeah. memory. But, like, it's like, right, halftime's over and I would go back to the game. But now you have to watch the halftime show because it's Usher. Right, right. But, so, back to the episode, though. This is, are you also getting vibes of you only move twice? Because <laughs> this is, like, the ideal work environment for Homer. Yeah, it's funny. This episode kind of plays to a lot of notes because, like, I'm getting a little bit of Frank DeRimes from Dr. Spivak. And, yeah, this is a little... You only move twice. Yeah, it's reminiscent. Um, also, I kind of think that I want to be finished. Like, I'm done with well, this podcast. I want to be finished. No. Um, yeah. <laughs> I like, um, you know, low expectations. And I like uh, drinking in my underwear. That whole determination thing, I'm not so keen on, but... <laughs> Two out of three ain't bad, as the great philosopher Meatloaf once said. But he said it was like seven years in a row, like Finland was considered the happiest place to live. Yeah. And it makes sense because, yeah, Homer's right. They're close to Santa Claus. Mm-hmm. Probably stops there first. It's probably hard to to move there, though. Yeah, I would imagine so. Like, trying to move to another country and live there is not, like, to any country is pretty difficult. Like, America's pretty easy to get to. Yeah, you build a wall, Steve. (laughs) Not a political podcast. It's like when everyone's like, you know, during election season, which seems to be like every year now. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's like, well, so-and-so wins the election. I move into Canada. It's like, well, good luck. They're not going to want you. And it's very far to move to Canada. But you have a sister-in-law that got to, to move to New Zealand. And all she had to know is like names of like four hobbits and they let her in, right? 
I know. That's why I couldn't get in. I was like, <laughs> that's the short one's called. Phil one to feet. Um, dildo? I think dildo. Yeah, dildo. Uh, Ross Perot, he was a hobbit. Yeah. Um, Bill, Bill Burr, comedian. Yeah, Bill Burr. Bill Burr Baggins. And the rest. <laughs> yeah, Oregon. He's one, right? But how did your sister-in-law get to be a Kiwi? She got there because she's super smart and she's a city planner. And they were like, hey, maybe we want cities one day, so we should plan on having you in our country. <laughs> She's like, well, first, uh, let's get you out of these holes, these hobbit mm-hmm. holes. <laughs> right. Build up, not living in the ground. <laughs> it's brilliant. <laughs> and you don't need to wear these rings to make you invisible, guys. You just have to be a Simpsons fan. <laughs> and no one accepts you. <laughs> so back to the episode, Oni shows Homer his new workspace, as well as his new assistant, Wyatt's Dr. Spivak. Homer recognizes her as a lady who thought she was going to get the job. He politely asks for no hard feelings, and she responds, certainly not to his face. Homer senses that something is uh, something in that remark, but Dr. Spivak assures him that it's nothing that she'll share with him until it's too late. Homer's cool with that, but is surprised by how many people talk to him in that tone of voice. So as Homer spins in his chair, he feels that he and his new assistant are getting along great, though Dr. Spivak shoots him with her finger guns, Every time his back is turned. Homer tells Marge about his first day, careful not to expose his ruse with Professor Frink. How was your first day? Marge, I tell you, for the first time in my career, I feel like I've made it. There was nothing you couldn't handle? There was nothing you couldn't handle. There was nothing I couldn't handle. I like the way you think before you answer. Did you say Frink before I answer? Now why would you Frink that? That's an odd way to put it, but I'll ignore it. Because we finally have daycare! I can take a bath for as long as I want in the middle of the day. I can floss once, then throw it away like a movie star. We can afford extra virgin olive oil. Maggie, I brought some food home from work. They're meatballs, although they call them reindeer balls. Homer, this is it. We're moving to the upper middle class. We might be able to pay bills on the second notice. Ah, uh, to pay bills on the second notice. Oof, that's, that's the truth. Yeah. <laughs> I'm happy for Marge. She also very sad that she can't take a bath. Yeah. She can't floss. She can't do anything because she's just stuck at home with Maggie. Her dream is basic bathroom functions. <laughs> and the beginning of that clip, too, is, you know, why would you freak that? <laughs> the whole run is very fun stuff. Yeah. I also like that Frank is in the nerd store shopping for Coke bottle glasses and uh, pocket <laughs> protectors. Where can you buy a pocket protector? I know you could probably get it on a big name internet website that has a name of a river. Sure, yeah. But, like, can I go to my local Kohl's or uh, Macy's and buy a pocket protector? That's a good question. Is it more of a fashion accessory or an office oh, right. supply? Because like, oh, I was so wondering... Like an Office Depot or right. Staples type of situation. I don't know. I'll have Steve look it up. Um, well, at his desk, uh, Homer reads Life in Helsinki, which is a nice uh, parody of Matt Groening's very funny comic strip, Life in Hell. <laughs> does he still do Life in Hell? Have we discussed that? I don't think he does anymore. Maybe rarely, but um, let's see. Pocket protectors, by the way, fairly cheap. Uh, you can get a nice leather one for like $15. Steve, I'll let you know that Life in Hell was a weekly comic strip by Matt Craney, uh, published from, get this, 1977 is when he started it. Mm-hmm. The year of Star Wars, Steve. 
Whoa. And the last one was in the year the world ended, 2012. Whoa. It's hard to think that, yeah, 2012, he was still doing it. I think it works best as like a small form thing, like, you know, a few panels. But I I remember reading collections of it. It's a good time. It's it's a lot of fun. Maybe we'll get him on this podcast to talk about life and hell. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You know what I call life and hell? Doing this podcast. No, I, I would agree. All right, well, Dr. Spivak enters, suggesting that they review a seismic measures. Homer responds that they should begin with anal... <laughs> yes, via computational models. Dr. Spivak is impressed and confused with Homer's ability to alternate between grasping for basic English and offering incredibly complex answers. She says that he's like an idiot that ate a genius, and Homer asks if she's insulting his brains or complimenting his appetite. I sense a work romance, Steve. It'd be great if, like, oh, yeah. they just... Start banging because it'd be like Mindy, that episode with Mindy. Let's check all the boxes. Yeah. <laughs> she then inquires about his use of AI. Uh, at the dinner table, Homer tells his family how much he loves his new job. Uh, Lisa's, of course, skeptical, but Marge put her own concerns aside, happy to reap the benefits of entering the upper middle class. Clever. Are you using a chatbot? Yes, but only for dirty limericks. There once was a nerd from Caltech whose dating life was quite a wreck. He took all the men and... <laughs> oh, that's dirty. <laughs> I love this new job. People were looking at me with, um... What's that word? Respect, Lord Butt. I'm happy for you too, Dad. But I'm curious how you're doing so well at this job when, you know... Let's focus on the positives. I had time for three baths today. Well, if I can't say how I feel, I'll just go to my room and sing a lament. Now, you're overdoing it with the baths. There are three baths a day. That's, that's a little too much. Yeah, it's kind of wasteful and just, uh, yeah, you don't need it. No, I, well, I don't take baths. Uh, I do a shower a day, so that's that's my thing. So the beginning of the clip, Dr. Spivak is asking about the AI chatbots. And um, even though we're against AI uh, mm-hmm. for creative endeavors like writing and art, Steve, I feel like you might have to see what chatbot would, how chatbot would finish that limerick. So what do we got? This is only an experiment. This isn't uh, us, you know, condoning the use of AI chatbot, but no, uh, it's scientific research. We want to know what Homer's laughing at. I want to know what it was. So I went ahead and asked to write a lyric and I said, write a dirty limerick with starting with the line. uh, There once was a nerd from Caltech. So it, it reads. There's once a nerd from Caltech whose dating life was quite a wreck. He tried to be slick, but his moves were too quick. Now he's known as the campus tech. What? And yeah, like I thought that was kind of lame and like. Shouldn't be campus prick? That would make sense. So I was like, try again, but make it dirtier. (laughs) So AI said there once was a nerd from Caltech whose dating life was quite a wreck. He searched high and low for a place he could go. To find someone to give him a peck. AI loves the peck. Uh, he tinkered with circuits and code, but romance seemed an elusive road. His algorithms failed, his efforts derailed. In the sheets, he was merely a toad. Then one day, a spark did ignite when a fellow brainiac caught his sight. With equations in sync, they embraced with a kink and em- explored each other all through the night. That's not that dirty, Steve. No, and so I was like, make it more obscene. Again, they were. Uh, he's looking for a kinky partner to give him a peck. He sought out labs and in class for someone with whom he could pass 
the time in bed sheets with passions he pleads for a lover who is bold, not crass. See, this is still not dirty. So I was like, okay, make it filthy now. Make it something that would make Andrew Dice Clay blush. <laughs> you bloody wrote Andrew Dice Clay. Yeah. So they wrote, there once was a purr from Caltech whose dating life was one big wreck. He wanted a fling with some serious zing, so he sought out a partner to peck. I don't know why they're obsessed with peck. Because peck and tech rhyme. I guess so. He found a girl who was game, and things got dirty. Oh, what a shame. They rolled in the hay in the filthiest way, leaving their morals to maims. <laughs> with moans and groans, they explored every inch and every dark cord. They twisted and turned with passion that burned till both were completely floored. So if you're a nerd feeling blue, just know there's a freak out there for you. In the halls of Caltech, you might just find the deck of cards that'll make Dice Clay say, ooh. And uh, yeah, so that's about as dirty as it'll go. And it was kind of lame. So I think the lesson from this whole exercise is that AI sucks. You can't get horny from AI. That's right. Well, it's bad for content. Yeah. Lisa goes to her room and begins her wistful lament. In front of her are various pictures of Homer pitching a tent. See, I can't stop doing limericks, Steve. That's not what happened. Right. But that was dirty. <laughs> and better than AI. Yeah. 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 She's finding various pictures of Homer in his various jobs. Oh, do we have to do this thing again? The list. <laughs> it's not as long this time, right? Yeah. We have him working as a bodyguard from Quimby from Mayor to the Mob. Homer is a member of the B-Sharps, Homer's Barbershop Quartet. Um, him working as a safety salamander from See Homer Run. Working as a dancing mascot on Springfield Isotopes, Dancing Homer. And being an astronaut from Deep Space Homer. So Lisa sings of days slowly passing at school while her dad is constantly changing jobs. And we see footage from a lot of his other jobs. And that's another long list that I won't go through, but just some highlights. Again, being an astronaut from uh, being a carpenter, being a hipster. It's not a job. It's a lifestyle. Um, being a Lego. Lego. Not a job. It's a not a job. Lifestyle. It's a lifestyle. Uh, being Pie Man. Again, not a job. That's a superhero. Just kind of like clips of, uh, you know, previous jobs that Homer's had. But we do get one from season 49, which hasn't aired yet. That's true. As it being a floating angry rock. Which I like. That's fun. Okay. What season 35, 49? It's possible mm -hmm. that we get to season 49. Yeah. That's, that's you reasonable. If they do the staff at the time, uh, which will be like AI Gene, not Al Gene, who <laughs> be showrunner. <laughs> I hope they remember this this little clip, this little image, and put that in an episode for season 49, because you know it'll have to happen. Yeah, yeah. I think that'd be a lot of fun. Now, and I'm curious to see question. that job, too. I'm thinking it'll just be like a treehouse of four. Oh, well, could they do treehouse of four? Maybe not. Will we still be reviewing this podcast by season 49? Oh, boy. Let's see. 15 years from now, basically, like... We'll be 27. Because <laughs> we're 12 now. Yeah, I mean, we just talk about boobies and wieners. <laughs> That's true. We do like have... Yeah, we are basically 12-year-olds. So, yeah, that makes sense. So, maybe we'll have big boy jobs and big boy pubes, and then we will can talk about it. <laughs> My big boy pubes. <laughs> Anyways, Lisa continues to sing about Homer's golden rainbows ending as the rest of the family finish their evening meal and listen. I also noticed that the Simpsons really love eating mashed potatoes and peas, like... That's always on yeah. the plate. <laughs> and it's true, yeah. It's like five nights out of the week they're doing it. I mean, I would eat mashed potatoes and peas like five nights out of the week. You know, it's great, mm -hmm. but that's just, uh, peas are high in sugar. 
and the mashed potatoes are too carby. You know, it's not a, a very nutritious uh, meal. That's true, but it is good. Like when you you mix them together, it's a great flavor oh, combo. Yeah. You know, it's great. Have your protein being like a chicken or pork, a fish, a red meat. Like that's what great about mashed potatoes and peas. Any of the protein animals that we eat as Americans work with that. That's a great combo. Yeah, if you had fish sticks, that's a great meal. If you had a steak, also a great meal. If you had chicken thighs, great. It all works. Alligator balls. Algene balls. I need my balls. <laughs> that's my algene. Anyways, Marge considers going up to talk to Lisa, but Homer tells her that being sad makes Lisa happy. <laughs> that's true. It is. Also, I got to say, I really like her song. I think it's a... Uh... Very sweet, very catchy. Like, we listen to it at the intro, and we'll hear it again later on, but uh, it's good stuff. Do you think it'll be the number one hot Billboard song for next week? I'm going to say probably. Okay. Uh, meanwhile, Dr. Spivak has set up a meeting with two nuclear colleagues, one Lenny Leonard and another one named Carl Carlson. They thank uh, Dr. Spivak for the invite and ask where Homer is. Carl was eager to offer him a hi or other such greeting, but Dr. Spivak has more pressing matters to get to. First, could you tell me how was Homer's performance at his last job? Have some whiskey. Well, he was consistent. Lady, I'm not here to badmouth Homer Simpson. <laughs> okay, to be fair. If they didn't want him to sleep at work, then they shouldn't have given reactors that soothing harm. Well, if you were to give him a letter grade from A to... F. No. Z. You know, we're going to need a bigger alphabet. Oh, did we mention the dome Homer put over the town? Oh, that was a Tuesday. Oh, Homer... Do you happen to remember the atomic mass of uranium? Oh, that's frightfully easy. That's 238.02891U. I don't know who you are, but your cheating enabled this donut-eating day drunk to steal a job he can't do. Shame. Shame! I love Carl's reference to the movie as well, about the dome. It's great. It's been... It's been... 164 weeks since I've seen the Simpsons movie. That's true, me too. <laughs> I'd like to go back, rewatch it. Maybe in like, uh, let's say, uh, 46 more weeks, I'll watch it again. That sounds good. But this time be high on heroin. <laughs> Yay! This show is great and it's making me sleepy. <laughs> we'll just do a, a live show, but like a live streaming one. But we can't actually air the Simpsons movie because of copyright issues, so it's just... It's just us watching the movie. Two guys scratching their balls, watching us <laughs> Well, realizing that he's been caught, Professor Fring feels that he's crossed a line, becoming a mad scientist. A giant ape and jeans using a hand grips tells Frink that he's crossed that line a long time ago. <laughs> I like that ape a lot. Hmm. Uh, so Homer arrives home from work and uh, happily greets Flanders. Ned shocked and asks about... What's up with the upside-down frown? Homer laughs, saying that it's funny the people you say hi to when your life is perfect. Uh, just then, Professor Fring pops up from Homer's bushes to say that he's through and that Homer will have to think for himself. Homer says that his first thought will be, Never! Fring made him the him that he was meant to be, which is Frink. 
He then tells Frank to get back into his brain where he belongs. What's Flanders doing with a hose at night? What's he doing? That's an excellent question. That is very weird. <laughs> like, I have a neighbor. Uh, hopefully they're not listening. Um, but I have a neighbor that, like, does yard work at night. <laughs> like, 8 o'clock to, like, especially in the summertime, I understand there's, like, still a light out. But if you're, like, mowing your lawn at 9 o'clock at night, I think that's a little too late, isn't it? I agree. Like, aside from the, like, the noise, it's like when Marge talks about Bart flying a kite at night. Like, <laughs> it's just something unwholesome about it. It's yeah. weird. Like, lawn yeah. care is a daytime thing. Yeah. <laughs> but then, I think I'd rather have that at 9 o'clock at night, someone mowed a lot, instead of, like, 6 in the morning that some people do it at, you know? That is true, yeah. I, <laughs> like, if you do have a leaf blower... Yeah, do it at like 7 to 9 p.m. rather than 7 to 9 a.m. That's much better. Steven is leaf blower. Or just use the leaf blower when you're not home, right? So you don't see it. Exactly. If it's not there, it doesn't exist. Accommodate to Steve's needs, everyone. That's right. All right. Well, Free tells Homer that he can't tell him what to do. But Homer responds that he can as long as Frink tells him how to say it. He then begs Frink to tell him how to say it. So Ned tries to... (laughs) calm the raised voices by offering lemonade to the arguing men, but both agreed to tell Flanders to shut the fuck up. <laughs> so back at the plant, Ani needs to have a frank discussion with Homer, and later in this clip, uh, on the way to the retreat, uh, Marsh checks out Lisa's uh, song. You wanted to talk to me? Yes, I'm afraid it's uh, quite serious. It's about something I noticed watching you work. I've noticed you're doing quite well. I wanted to invite you on our corporate retreat. Skiing and science. Can I just do it over Zoom? Oh, you will be Zooming down a 12,000-foot slope. Oh. Fun is just a word I've heard when I... Oh, 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 boy, I wouldn't want to be that dead. Oh, for a lament, it's a real earworm. Earworm? What are you talking about? There's nothing in my ear. You know, the song that Lisa sings also kind of sounds like the theme song from MASH, Suicide is Yeah, famous, yeah. Which, I would never review that podcast for less than $1,000 an episode. There. Of course. It's right. out there. There's the price. Each. $1,000 each. $1,000 each. <laughs> and... We'll even do, oh, we'll throw in Trapper John MD after the show's over. Hell, we'll even do After Mash. Yeah, and the movie, but the movie will be, here's what it is, the movie's free. We'll review the movie for free, but after that, $1,000 an episode. Yeah. You can negotiate with us, anyone out there who would pay to hear us do a Mash podcast. I think the one person I'm referring to understands this joke. Inside joke. Well, Homer then secretly asked Frank, through his glasses if the ski resort is a left or a right turn. After not receiving an answer, Homer begins to worry. Frank, taking a shower with several robotic arms washing him and shaving him, tells Homer that he's on his own, throwing away both his vial of tears and his headset. Ooh. At the ski resort, Oni approaches Homer and tells him that despite hating to talk shop while on vacation, he needs to run an efficiency analysis on the turbine. Homer taps on his earpiece, hoping Frank will say something, 
But instead, Frink's buddy responds saying, pretty boy, pretty boy. So Homer repeats the message and Oni appreciates the compliment, but he needs to talk about the turbine. I was like cracking up laughing because I knew what was going to happen. Like I knew Mm -hmm. this bit was going to happen. And this bit is an old bit, but it's the funniest bit in like comedies. Yeah. Uh, So the budgie then shouts out that he wants a cracker. So Homer does the same. And, you know, there's a guy walking around with a tray of crackers. So Oni grabs a cracker and hands it to Homer. And then insists we really need to start talking about the turbines. (laughs) Just a A plus joke. I I, I love it. That joke will never go on Joke Joe. They could do the joke until I die. It's my favorite thing. So Homer turns and speaks into his device begging for help. But Dr. Spivak answers, saying that it's another job that he is overqualified for. Homer asks how she got into his ear, and she explains that she hacked into his frequency, and now she's going to be the one living inside Homer's brain. Just then, a third party enters the conversation. Lori? Lori? I just found your diary. You are such a sad little girl. Not now, Mom. Frink, how do I stop her? Still me. Can you put the parrot back on? I'm a budgie, idiot! You're not getting rid of me that easily. What? Why not? Hello, Marge. I'm Dr. Spivak, the qualified person your husband took the job from. You'll have to be more specific. Ever ask yourself, Marge, why does he need an earpiece? He's not a secret agent. He's not a backup dancer for Rihanna. Not with that ass. Well, you see, I... I'm talking to March. As a woman, do you really want a more qualified woman, me, to be cheated out of the job she deserves? As a woman, don't you want me to be able to take a bath in the middle of the day? Marge, really? My career is ruined. Let that soak in. Uh, Tris McNeil at the beginning. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just like going through her daughter's diary. Like, you were such a sad child. <laughs> Something you want to say to your kid. A-plus performance, of course. And then uh, I like how this using feminism as a weapon, you know, like mm-hmm. I'm a female, you're a female, so you've got to be on my side, right? Yeah. It's a it's a fun turn. Like, Namar's like, no, but uh, I want to be happy too. It's just, well, we all just want to be happy. It also makes me think, like, I wondered throughout this episode if at some point Marge figured out what was going on and just didn't care because she was benefiting from Homer's success. I would think and, so. I mean, you, you kind of take advantage where you can take advantage. It's not a negative thing, really. It's right. like he's happier doing this. And yes, it is a little uh, nefarious what they're doing. But even at the same time, like Frank is happy in a way. And mm-hmm. you know, Homer Homer is delighted to have this new job. Yeah. It's like just it's Dr. Dr. Spivak. Yeah. Yeah. Which, again, it sucks because she is qualified to have this job. So she should have it. So it's like, whose side am I on? Right. Right, exactly. It's an interesting thing because we know when I when uh, her mom called and said what a sad little girl you were, <laughs> it made me think that like Doctor Spivak is could just be a version of Lisa grown up, like uh-huh. not literally, but you know what I mean. Like Lisa's also a sad girl who has a lot of potential, who you know might in her future lose a job to some dumb idiot because he has a mad scientist speaking to his ear. Probably will happen. Yeah. So Marge stumbles to respond and then thinks of Lisa's lament. She hears her daughter's voice and uh, Dr. Spivak calling for women to stick together because if they don't, no one will stick up for them. So she's finally had enough and asks Homer to tell the truth. So Homer steps out of the gondola and announces, I am a fraud. Another man states that he is also a fraud. 
claiming to be Finnish, but in reality is actually Danish. Gross. So Oni tells that southern scum to get out of here. And then several other people admit to being frauds. One man admits that his Tinder pick is from nine years ago. <laughs> and a woman says that that is the worst of all. How old's your Tinder pick? Um, it's so old, it's a log, not a Tinder. <laughs> I never, I never was in the Tinder age, so we were already with uh, significant others when Tinder hit the streets. So I cannot tell you how happy I am about that. Yeah, me like, too. I, the I, dating I, apps I'll, seem awful. Especially now, yeah. Back in my day, I only used J-Date. I was the only one available. <laughs> Anyways, Homer tells Ani that he can't work for him another day. Ani calmly says no. Homer tells him to try to talk him out of it with his icy charm, but he explains that he was saying no because Homer is skiing over Cliff. Uh, the Finn then calmly says, stop, no, go back. I'm begging you. As Homer gets closer to the cliff, he asks if he still has health insurance, and Ani informs him that it was canceled one minute ago. Homer <laughs> begs that no one calls an ambulance if he falls, hitting rock after rock, wondering just how tall the cliff was. And uh, that's how the episode ends, right, Steve? Mm-hmm. But we have, like, uh, more because there's a commercial break, and it comes back to Springfield Nuclear Power Plant, where the credits rolling and Smithers fills out the form for Homer's return to his old position. Are you coming back to work here hat in hand, defiant, begging for mercy? Um, is there a box for preposterous scheme that blew up in my face? Of course there is. Did you learn the lesson or not? I did, but I'll soon forget it. Welcome back, Simpson. Don't bug me, I'm on a break. He's back, Steve. He's back. So are we? Yes, we are, Steve. Um, I have a weird idea. Okay. I say we... Take a break. Come back and wrap up this episode. It's unconventional, but I think it just might work. All right. We'll be right back. We're back. All right, Steve, let's wrap up this week's episode of Frankenstein's Monster. We'll talk about some of our favorite jokes, some gags from the episode that made us laugh. We'll give an MVJ, Most Valuable Jokester, to someone. Then we'll give a nice little review, find out what we're watching next week. But before we do all that, we like to give the gift of giving. And that's a gift from this episode. Surely there was something in here that would say, hey, this would be a great present to give to Steve. And, you know, we could give something like a, a cracker. <laughs> or a, a talking bird, maybe some late night Kool Aid from Flanders, maybe uh, Doctor Spivak's uh, diary as a child. That'd be a great gift, right? <laughs> but instead, Steve, I got you this uh, roll of uh, rubber bands. Oh boy, it's uh, yeah. kind of small. Well, it's the gift I could keep giving because you just add to it, but you know, so eventually you'll have a giant rubber band ball that you can throw away. <laughs> That's uh, th thanks, Craig. That's very nice. Uh, I got something for you as well. 
Uh, you know, bathing and showering is a big theme in this episode throughout. Uh, but you said that you don't like to take baths, which I respect as neither do I. So I got you, Professor Frink's robot hands to shower with because he's got two to wash his hairs, uh, to wash his hair and one to shave. And, you know, maybe one to do anything else that you might want to do in the shower. Uh, so, yeah. So the next time you're in the shower, you can uh, have robot hands to wash yourself and uh, shave yourself and masturbate or whatever. I'd be a little afraid of the shaving. Like, I don't want you to shave my balls, robot hand. Sure. But in case they do shave them off, I also got you a bag of reindeer balls. Hmm. I mean, like Maggie spits them out, right? <laughs> Steve, yes. give me a scene or some jokes or whatever that made you go, wow. Oh, boy. I, I, I had some fun with this episode. I like Oni. Um, I thought he was fun. I like his, like, straightforward, calm demeanor, like, lacking emotion. Just that Finnish lifestyle was very funny. The budgie uh, gag about, you know, Homer calling him a pretty boy and him taking the compliment and then him wanting a cracker and then only just handing him on. I thought that was probably like my biggest laugh of the episode. Uh, Dr. Spivak's mom showing up from nowhere. That was fun. Uh, Lenny and Carl's stuff was also pretty good. Just being interviewed by Dr. Spivak and like they're just like Carl just showing up and being like, hey, uh, where's Homer? I just wanted to say hi to him. I just thought that was a silly little line. So yeah, those are probably mine. I think if I had to give an MBJ, I think that uh, Spivak did a great job, but Oni's probably my my MVJ. What about you, Craig? Yeah, the the budgie talking with the cracker that that bit that at the end of the episode that definitely my favorite. Marge in this episode is very funny because she just wants to be happy for once. Mm-hmm. Great sadness from her. I love the I love that bit. Uh, I liked Homer's imagination. Of oh yeah, driving on the uh, yacht and the jet ski and. The, the car that was that was a great little bit another one of nice, his imagination like, things too was um when he was when they're when he's imagining going to the ski resort and he was worried about skiing and then he's worried about being on a zoom call skiing that was also a fun visual yeah so i guess i would give the mvj to uh we give it to marge because of the sadness i like that it just her just her wanting to be happy for once in her sad sad existence and of course oh the the vacuum bit where we decided it's oh yeah it's just marge going around town beating people with the vacuum <laughs> from the simpsons arcade game that's why she has so many vacuum bags oh no steven what did you think of this episode part of me feels like this was kind of playing to the fans a little bit doing all the references uh and like leaning into that cliche about homer having a million jobs or 691 jobs uh, but I do think it works. I think it adjusts the timeline in a fun way. They're taking elements of other episodes that work well and reshaping it into a really interesting thing. I don't know how to put my finger on it. There's one like small thing lacking from this episode to make it like truly great. I know that there wasn't exactly a B plot. I don't think there needed to be. And I think that Lisa's song really spoke to me. And I think that kind of really stood out for me as a great part of this episode. And I feel like the emotional connections with everybody, like with, like you say, Marge being uh, just yearning for basic human happiness with like basic things and, and Frank just trying to be a person. I think, I, I think that's what it is. I think I'm fighting it as I speak, as I think that I just wanted a little bit more motivation from Frank, but I do think that this was a successful episode. I thought it was funny. I thought it was a breezy episode that went by quickly. 
And I think that Homer was a nice balance of being dumb, but also fun without being a jerk. I liked Lisa's concern. I liked Homer's imagination. So all in all, I think it was good. I also liked Waylon Smithers having those forms that like, because they know how often Homer's going to leave. So all in all, I would say this is pretty good. And if I had to give it a numerical score, I'm going to think back to that stone that Homer becomes in season 49. So I'm going to give this a 43 out of 49. What did you think, Craig? That's a pretty damn good score, Steve. Thank you so much. Yeah, I just kind of feel like this episode is a little bit mid-tier. Mm-hmm. And I did enjoy it. And it's nice to come back to a nice uh, new episode of The Simpsons. Yeah. And like I said, like Amanda Seyfried plays the character so well. I don't know if this is like an episode that I'm going to love to rewatch again. It, it'll definitely be on because I think it just reminds me of other episodes I want to watch. Like You Only Move Twice. Mm-hmm. Even the episode with Mindy and Homer because they're two co-workers. And yes, I know like they're not in love, but I just kind of like want to watch that episode. Yeah. Um, even uh, you brought up that she's almost like the female version of Frank Grimes. And I'm like, I want to watch that episode. But then I'm also like, want to watch the Steve Martin movie Roxanne. <laughs> you know, <'cause, laughs> Uh, it's just kind of like that. Or, you know, it's Amanda Seyfried and I want to watch uh, Ted 2 or A Million Ways to Die in the West or Jennifer's Body or Mean Girls or Gringo or Scoob. I'm just looking at her. <laughs> so scroll through her uh, episode or movies. Anyways, but uh, yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's like very mid-tier for me episode. It's it's like I'm not wowed by it, but I'm not annoyed by it. And that's the best you can say about a new episode of The Simpsons. Yeah, I think I always caught up with the excitement of a new episode. And I think you make a good point about how it harkens back to so many other things that I like it by proxy because of that. Like, And it's like, oh, this right. reminds me of other things that I like, so therefore I like this because I'm an idiot. Right. So if I uh, gave this a ranking, I'm still on Amanda Seyfried's. Now, is it Seyfried or Seyfried? I think it's Seafried, but I could be wrong. Well, Steve, if you called her on the telephone and asked her, she would let you know. Mm-hmm. Her number is 555-555-1234. Anyway, so if I give this ranking, uh, on her Rotten Tomatoes, her highest rated movie is a 94%. It's a First Reformed from 2017. I, I never saw that movie, Steve. Me neither. Uh, directed by... Uh, Paul Schrader, he directed it and wrote it. You know, famous Paul Schrader, what, what, Taxi Driver? You wrote that one? Raging Bull? He wrote that too. So that's 94. And then her lowest rated movie is The Big Wedding from 2013 with a 7% <laughs> Rotten Tomato, uh, starring, uh, besides her, uh, Raging Bull himself, Robert <laughs> De Niro. Listen to this cast. I've never heard of this movie. No. You got De Niro, you got Diane Keaton, you got Susan Sarandon, Catherine Heigl, Amanda Seyfried. Ben Barnes, Topher Grace, and the rest. Wow. <laughs> yeah, uh, 7%. Like, this is this movie worse than Madam Web? Might be. Yeah, we'll have to find out when we review this episode, this movie and Madam Web on our Patreon, right? <laughs> That's right. Um, so, so between, uh, what I say, a 94 and 7, I'll give this episode, I'll give it a Ted 2, Steve. That was, unfortunately, a 45% uh, Rotten Tomato, but 50%. For the audience score, <laughs> which uh, it's better than uh, A Million Ways to Die in the West, which I thought I liked that one. Didn't I like that one? I think you did, yeah. yeah. It's not for everybody. Okay, Steve, uh, but it's it's Ted, and Ted is a great TV show. It is. All right, Steve, um, let's speak about another TV show, which of course is The Simpsons, and find out we're watching 
next week, Steve, we're continuing season 35, right? Mm. Steve, it's going to be season 35, episode 12. What do you think the title is? Let's see. This week we had Frankenstein's Monster. So, um, maybe they'll keep with the monster theme. So let's see. Other monsters. Oh, let's see. We got the big monsters. We have King Kong. Well, we've already done King Homer. We've got the mummy, but Marge is a mummy. And Jack, Jack the Ripper, Jack Nicholson, Jack Shack. Really has a shack. Hmm. I'm going to say it's Freakula. So you think that they're just going to keep the Freak theme like two episodes in a row? Yeah. Freak and Monsters. That's, that's their convention now. Okay. Uh, no, you dummy. It's not. Ah, damn. It's called Lisa Gets an F1. Lisa gets an F1. I think that Lisa has a new laptop, but the screen is too bright and she can't lower it because her F1 key is missing. So she's hitting function or Windows key and F1 and nothing's happening. So she has to uh, go on this grand journey to the Maple store in Cupertino, California. And along the way, she meets the ghost of Steve Works, which is their version of Steve Jobs. <laughs> she l- realizes that uh, fancy tech isn't the most important thing, that it's really about what you learn and the journey along the way. And in a B story, Bart becomes a race car driver. Oh, if you only started with the B story and made it about Lisa, not Bart. <laughs> oh, no. You'd be so right, and we never have to do this podcast again. So Lisa feels a need for speed as well as a need for control of her anxiety when she becomes a pro kid go-kart racer. Wow. Uh, and in the B story, uh, Bart gets a new laptop and misses his F1 key and goes to <laughs> Cupertina and meets Steve Occupation, <laughs> the uh, owner of Maple. That's right. Uh, no, that's, of course, not the B story, Steve. Um, all right. Uh, written by Ryan Coe. Oh. Oh, yeah. Office alum himself. Yeah, that's right. That means we're going to be making fun of the office ladies next week, guys. Oh, Steve, I have two guest stars on this episode. Mm-hmm. One, you'll be very excited to hear his name. The other is Rachel Bloom, which I'm sure you're excited to hear her no, voice. Yeah, she's great. But are you ready for this one, Steve? Yes. Say it with more conviction. Say that yes, like you're, I don't know, a British actor, maybe? Yes! That's right, Matt Berry! Yes! <laughs> yes! Oh, that's fun. Yeah, I'm very excited. Because the only way we can hear him now is from uh, that really other bad show that's on Fox on Sundays. Family Guy. The shit-op- Shitopolis. Oh, yeah, Crapopolis. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, all right, well, hey, I had a lot of fun this week, Steve. Me too. And I hope you listeners did too. So, we're going to say goodbye to you for now. Um, but before we do, we really want to hear from you. And uh, the price you're willing to pay us to do a podcast (laughs) of a different show starring Alan Alda, West Wing Season (laughs) 8. Or is this, no, Season 6 and 7. Alan Alda was on, right? Okay. Anyways, yeah. Let us know by uh, email at 13simpsons at gmail.com or through our social media, which, uh, let's be honest, we're pretty much using Instagram these days, at 13simpsons, or, of course, YouTube at 13simpsons. And hey, if you're so kind, go to your favorite podcasting app, leave us five stars or the equivalent, but you don't need to write a real review. Just tell us what you'd whisper in our ears. And while you're there, you can also leave us a voicemail and uh, send us a question, send us an answer, send us an impression, send us whatever the hell you want. 
Yeah, just click through the show's notes, and there's a little button that says leave a voicemail. Did you say that part? And I forget. I think I did, but if I didn't, thank you for adding. All right. And hey, check out our TeePublic site, tpublic.com slash user slash annoyed grant boys for some annoyed grant boy swag. Thank you so much for listening. Tell a friend and tell an enemy. That's right. And for this week, I've been annoyed grunt boy Craig. And I've been annoyed grunt boy Steve. And remember, we're going to need a bigger alphabet. Sometimes the most important person to fool is yourself. Pretty boy, pretty boy. I want a cracker.